At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. God created us for community, and with community comes conflict. It seems ever-present in our day-to-day lives, from little things to big things. In today's society, cancel culture is prevalent, and when there's conflict in our lives, it can be easy to turn to the ways of canceling one another. Knowing how to resolve conflict lovingly is an essential component of our lives. When we resolve conflicts out of love, we honor Christ. Join us in our new series, Conflicted, Pursuing Peace in a Cancel Culture, where we'll turn to the Gospel of Matthew to see what Jesus has to say about handling conflict. You could be seated. Thank you so much for singing with us today. And I encourage you to turn in your Bibles, if you have them, to Matthew chapter 18 as we continue, actually conclude our series out of this chapter. Uh, It's a pretty foundational chapter on relationships uh, as Jesus was speaking to his disciples. Uh, In Matthew 18, we've we've titled this series Conflicted, um, knowing that our culture is, is very much what some have called a canceled culture, but knowing that the kingdom of heaven is different than the kingdom of this world. So how do we live in relationship? What are those principles that help us live out the kingdom of heaven uh, through the power of the Spirit? And in this chapter, we've seen, and even as you look at the first part of the chapter, uh, you see that lesson that Jesus started with to say, you can't even be in the kingdom of heaven without a spirit of humility, without recognizing that you really have nothing in and of yourselves that would warrant your place in the kingdom. It was all all from the generosity of God to invite you into his family, that the currency of the kingdom is our inability, not our ability, that the reality is with it, we, when we recognize how much we need Jesus, we finally get in the place where we will receive all that he has for us. So humility is vital. It continues by... by Uh, really supporting that idea that we as uh, members of the kingdom of heaven need to be very attentive to be sure we're not unnecessarily offending one another. That the people in the kingdom of heaven, the church family, other image bearers of God need to be treated with honor and dignity. And we need to make sure that we're not living a life of unnecessary offense to them. In fact, Jesus uses some pretty strong language when he describes, if you offend one of the young ones, not young in age, I don't think he's speaking of, I think he's speaking of one of those that are new to the faith. If you offend one of those, it would be better for you to be thrown in the sea with an anchor around your neck. Extreme language to help us understand God's passion for those that are part of his family. And when someone hurts us and offends us, being part of the kingdom of heaven, we have a responsibility to go to them and seek to reconcile with our brother or sister that's offended us. So very different from what the world has to say when someone offends you. The world says, well, you got to earn respect before I'll give it to you. That's not what Jesus says. Jesus says living in the kingdom of heaven is different than that. You honor one another, not because of what they've done, but because of who has made them. 
image bearers of God. And so we, we live with humility. We live with honor. We live with a desire for reconciliation. So we get to the last part of chapter 18. And we see a response from the disciples. So Jesus is speaking probably to maybe a group about this size of his followers, maybe about 75, 100 people, teaching them about relationships. And as he comes to this point, one of y'all who often interrupts the speaker raises his hand and says, okay, so what you're saying is, this is Peter, Simon Peter says, so Lord, what you're saying is we need to forgive one another. How often do we need to forgive one another? It says in verse 21, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Now, this is a pretty good pickup by Peter. For him, Jesus hadn't even used the term forgiveness or forgive. Jesus talks about don't offend people. Have humility. He says, when someone offends you, you need to go to them and seek to reconcile. He didn't even say forgiveness, but Peter picks up on this and says, so, how many times do we have to forgive them? He, he, he suggests this number, seven times? Now, where did he get seven? Well, we don't know for sure, but many su- suggest, even the historians, they look back to some rabbinical teachings at the time, In that day, they would look to Amos, the prophet's words, where many times in his prophecy, he speaks of Yahweh making the statement, for three offenses, maybe, and even for four, this is going to happen. For three three offenses, and maybe four, this is going to happen. He says that repeatedly, up to a dozen times in a short book. So the rabbis... Considered, well, if God is saying, I'll forgive you three, maybe four times, but then there's consequences, then maybe that's what we should do. We should forgive three and maybe four times before there's consequences to those that hurt us. And Peter says, oh, that's not, that's not enough. So maybe three and four, maybe seven Are you saying we need to forgive people when they've offended us seven times? And Jesus responds by saying, no, no, not seven, but 77. Some versions translate it as, no, not seven, but 70 times seven, which is 490. In other words, Jesus says, actually, it's not worth counting. You just forgive. Later, Paul would pick up on this and say, real love doesn't even keep a list. You don't keep a tally mark on the wall. You don't keep a little box that says, every time you offend me, I'm going to put, a li- put, that, put that item in that box, and when the box gets full, we'll have a conversation. No, no, that's not the way of the kingdom, Jesus says. He says, you, you just don't count. What he's saying is, in the kingdom of heaven, different than the way of the world, God's family forgives. In fact, God's family forgives as they've been forgiven. Which leads us to the question, why? 
Why is that how we respond to people? Why do I have to get to the point of spiritual maturity where when someone offends me, my, my natural response is to forgive them? Why would I do something so contrary to everything my heart says? Two reasons. Jesus gives two reasons, and it's all in a story. He begins by saying, well, it's because you've been forgiven a lot yourself. He tells a story. It's a parable. These stories have some extreme descriptions, like many of Jesus' stories. There's some extremes, all exaggerations used to make the point. And we can't take application from every different part of a parable, Usually, Jesus' parable is to provide one strong, unmistakable point in his story, and I think you'll see it. Verse 23, Jesus says, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. And when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents, And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had and payment to be made. For so the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. Not a pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him that debt. So before we go on, let's pause there. Here's the story. There's this landowner, property owner, king of this region, has a servant. The servant owes him 10,000 talents. 10,000 talents. Everybody go, whoa, right? Here we go. Whoa, 10,000 talents. What's a talent? One talent is 6,000 denarii. Everybody say, whoa. 6,000 denarii. How much is a denarii? One denarii was one day's wage of a common laborer. So you work for a day, you get a denarii. You work for six days in a week, how many denarii do you get? (laughs) Wow, that's awesome. So how many days do you have to work in order to make one talent equal 6,000 denarii. 6,000, thank you. You got to work 20 years to make one talent. And how many talents did this man owe the king? 10,000 talents. How many years would it take a common laborer to... Earn 10,000 talents. 200,000 years, give or take. Was obviously Jesus saying, I'm telling you, you can't keep lists. You say seven times, I'm telling you, 70 times seven, or 77, or just, it's not worth. Counting, he tells his story of this guy that owes this man 
200,000 years of wages. And the man goes to the king and falls on his knees and says, please, just a little more time. (laughs) Give me another 20 years and I'll be 9,998 in a little more time. Oh, time's not going to do it. Working seven days a week isn't going to do it. In other words, in Jesus' story, the point is, there's no way this guy can pay this back. But the king, the master, has pity on him. And what did he do? Out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. We can't even comprehend 200,000 years of wages forgiven, can we? We can't comprehend that. Closest we can get is, okay, my mortgage, my car loans, my student debts, my medical bills, my boat loan, my credit card, all of that, I get a letter in the mail that says, paid in full. Whoa, wouldn't that be great? And on top of that, we'll pay rent to you. We'll we'll provide, you know, a little bit of income for you. Whoa, that would be incredible. That's not even close to what this man experiences. But the big truth of this parable, of this part of the parable, is the generous forgiveness extended to the servant illustrates what we've received from God himself. That there is a debt we could never pay. If we had 200,000 years of doing good things, it still could never repay the debt that we owe because of our sin. Genesis 2, or Galatians 2 says, You who are dead in your trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven all our trespasses by canceling the record of death that stood against us with its legal demands. These he set aside, nailing them to the cross. All of the debt, all of the sin debt that we had incurred, the entire record of all of our sins was nailed to the cross, completely paid for. All those harsh and cruel words you spoke to your family when you were just tired and sick and not feeling good. Everything you said to your parents because they asked you again to do your chores. The gossip that you spread about that person at work that nobody likes anyway. The hiding from your boss, the things that you did that you know if they found out you'd have to face consequences. The laziness that you expressed, the anger that you harbored, all of that was canceled at the cross. We sang of that today. When love ran red, my sins washed white. I'm in awe of you. This is Jesus' words in his story to say you could never pay the debt. And yet, the debt and forgiveness of it 
is offered to each one of us. Some of you are around here five years ago or so. Our church was really new. We didn't have much, but we had a lot of passion to see God's glory spread throughout this community. And there was a park just up the road from our little office area that we rented. It was terrible shape. It spray paint all over. The playground was broken down. And we took it on ourselves to renovate that park, to fix the playground set and, and paint some things to spread mulch. And on a Saturday, after, Saturday morning, early, we got there to that park. And at that park had been delivered a load of mulch to spread throughout it all. And I don't know if any of you remember that, but how big of a mountain that pile of mulch was. Anybody here that was a part of that? All right, a number of you. I remember when I got there and I saw that pile, I thought, holy moly, how are we going to do this today? I hope someone else shows up. (laughs) And show up they did. There is about 50 people that are showing up at the park, people from the city and people from the neighborhoods that heard that was going on. People brought wag, or, uh, wheelbarrows and rakes and shovels, and we began to tackle that. Some of you tackled, grabbed a paintbrush and started painting. Some of you started moving mulch. And, and with a matter of three hours or so, that mulch had been spread perfectly level all throughout that park. It was beautiful. Well, instead of picturing that, pile of mulch. You've seen when the freighters pull up to the dry dock, right? And they use that conveyor belt and they start unloading that gravel or whatever they've been carrying. And that thing just runs and runs. It just runs and runs. And that pile of gravel, let's call it gravel, it just starts to grow. And pretty soon it's three times taller than this building. It just goes high and huge as it unloads tons and tons and tons that had been carried. Just imagine the master coming to you and saying, here's here's a pickup truck and a shovel. Now what we need you to do is to take this gravel and take it to Windsor because that's where it needs to go. You would say that would take me 200,000 years. The point of the story is, And you'd still just be scratching the surface. But you know what's been done? That whole pile's been moved for you. It's been removed from your account. It was placed on the back of Jesus, and he provided forgiveness for you. How many times should we forgive the person that offends us? Seven times? Seventy times? Two hundred thousand times? Jesus starts the answer by saying, how many times have you been forgiven by the Father? What has he done for you? We have no ability to pay our sin debt. The only hope is that somebody bigger than us, stronger than us, more holy than us, would take our sin and remove it, cleanse us and restore us, offer grace and forgiveness. And that's what Jesus came to do. The incredible thing about this story is that it's only half done, 
right? I mean, right there, it would be incredible. Wow, forgiveness given to this man. But the story continues. Verse 28, and when that same servant went out from being forgiven, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. A hundred denarii, that's a hundred days of work, six days a week, it's a little over six months of wages, which sounds like a lot. If somebody owed you six months of wages, just figure that in your brain right now, and they couldn't pay you back, that'd be hard to just overlook, wouldn't it? Unless... Anyway, this forgiven servant seized him, began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. Does that sound familiar? It's exactly the same thing this guy said just a few minutes earlier. Give me more time. Have patience and I'll pay you. But he refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. And when his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. They went and reported it to the master of all that had taken place. And the master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? In anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. 200,000 years. So also, my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Why do we forgive? Well, we forgive because we've been forgiven so much. And we forgive because that's the way of the kingdom. That's what it means to follow Jesus. So will my father do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. I don't think this should be read necessarily as a warning that you will lose what's been given, that you'd lose your salvation, but instead a guide to living out one's salvation. How do you live as a forgiven one? Will you forgive? If the gospel has gotten into you, then forgiveness needs to come out of you. This is the evidence that forgiveness is in you. And if it's not coming out of you, then that's a great sign that it's never truly in you. We haven't embraced the incredible debt that's been forgiven. When we embrace the severity of God's forgiveness of our sin, we'll be, have the ability to forgive those that hurt us. And that's kind of the problem, isn't it? People hurt us. Anybody here been hurt by anybody else? Hmm. It hurts. Because they shouldn't have done that. Right? They shouldn't have said that. They shouldn't have taken it. They shouldn't have broken it. They shouldn't have abused them. They shouldn't have wronged them. We shouldn't have been rejected. We shouldn't have been hurt. And when we get hurt, it makes us angry. 
And when we're angry, it makes perfect sense to be angry. Because maybe in our anger, maybe they could get hurt too. So we make them pay. How do we make them pay? Well, we come up with lots of different ways, don't we? We're really good at coming up with it. We make them pay by ignoring them, withholding time with them. Nobody here would do this, but silent treatment is a common thing. (laughs) We speak bad about them, so everybody knows how offensive they are. In other words, we cancel them. We can, we can condemn the culture for being a canceling culture, but really the world is just coming up with more ways to do what we all tend to want to do, is cancel one another when they've hurt us. But the problem with the way of the world is that it, it maybe will hurt them, Maybe not, but you know who it will hurt? It'll hurt us. Somebody once said that resentment and retribution is like shooting ourselves, hoping that the recoil hits someone else. All right, one thing we know for sure is it'll hurt us. Maybe it'll hurt them some. That's why the loving Heavenly Father gives us command, not so that we become weaklings, but so that we would truly understand peace. He says so 70 times. 77, 490, 200,000, he says. We forgive. Jesus offers the better way. Now, it's important to know that forgiveness is not pretending the offense didn't occur. It's not like forgetting anything ever bad ever happened. I mean, the Father doesn't. God's not a God of amnesia. He just doesn't make us pay anymore. He pays himself for our debt. He removes our requirement to pay. He knows what's been done, but he won't cause us to pay when we receive his forgiveness. And maybe that gets to a little bit more of what forgiveness is. It's letting go of the demand that someone pays. Letting go of the responsibility that they pay and giving that, giving that to the Father. We give it to God because we begin to believe that only the Father fully provides what we need. That that person hurting actually isn't going to be my needs. Even though that person has hurt me, if I make them pay, I'm starting to think that that's something I need. I need them to pay. I will feel better. And then how in the world did we ever get this thought that them, that they have the ability to meet my needs? Only the Father meets my needs. So I can give that debt to the Father, trusting him to meet whatever need that I may have. So it's not pretending the offense didn't occur. It's also not reconciliation. Forgiveness is not reconciliation. Jesus had dealt with that before. Go privately to the person, seek to win your brother, seek to reconcile together. 
Peter comes behind that to say, so we have to forgive over and over and over? Sometimes reconciliation of relationship is not going to bring greatest glory to God because maybe there's potential still unjust hurt that can come in, the, in a restored relationship. But this story isn't talking simply about reconciliation. It's talking about forgiveness. Forgiveness is the support of reconciliation. In the previous verses, when he talks about reconciling, there's that recognition that sometimes things can't be reconciled. But then he brings along this story to say, but here's one thing that must be done. is forgiveness. Someone has illustrated forgiveness to me like a, like a bridge. If, if in a bridge the span is reconciliation, forgiveness is the abutments that support the span. We can't control this reconciliation. All we can do is offer forgiveness and trust God with the reconciliation that he may desire. What's in my power is to forgive. So the question Jesus is asking his disciples as he wraps up this story, kind of with that idea of, okay, it all boils down to this, folks. When you're talking about relationships and people hurting you, it all boils down to this. I heard that phrase at the game yesterday, that beautiful game. Much better than Thursday's game. Mm-hmm. But those announcers before the game started, it's been a great season. Michigan's faced all kinds of adversity, but it all comes down to this. What's happened in those previous games? Sure, we beat these other teams. Ohio State's beat these other teams. But if Ohio State can't beat Michigan, or Michigan can't beat Ohio State, what does that matter? It all comes down to this. And Jesus says, when you're talking about relationships, it all boils down to this. The way of the kingdom forgives. So Jesus poses the question to us, So will you follow me? Will you follow me in the kingdom? The world's going to say there's a better way. Make people pay. And look where the world goes. Look how much heartache and hardship. Look at the mental conditions and the, the anxiety that our world is experiencing today. And just imagine a life with peace, a life with joy. When you come to that point, you can give it all to the Father as we forgive one another. So as we talked about this, any names come to mind? Any faces come to to your imagination? Let's give it to God. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would take these burdens on our heart, these things that have hurt us, Lord, the people that have hurt us, We need a power greater than ourselves to even consider what forgiveness might be. And so we ask, Lord, that you would work in our hearts, that you would grant us the spirit of forgiveness that you demonstrated to us by cleansing us from our sin. And may that gospel that's in us now work its way out of us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. 
Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.